Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Jordan. We're back. Back together again. It's been a long time, brother. <laughs> True. This is episode 62, where we're going to talk about Adolf Hitler. What a guy. What a guy. He's a, he's a guy. Turns out he did some stuff. He's got some shit on his list. <laughs> and uh, his lip. <laughs> <laughs> Knife. <laughs> Had to sneak that in there. This is going to be a two-parter. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to just go till the wheels fall off today, and then we'll pick it up next week and go through more terrible shit that he did. Yeesh. So we don't really have any show announcements. We have 5,000 followers on Instagram, which is pretty cool. We do. I, whenever Jordan and I first started this, we were at like 1,200, and I was like, I want to get to five. And now, a year and a half later, we've hit it. The mother load. So thank you all. Mm-hmm. For liking us, sharing us, all that good stuff. Uh, we got some good listeners out there, and we appreciate you standing by us. Especially, things have been a little weird and different lately because George's in his new domicile. Yeah, which it sounds a little echoey. It's probably because we're in the basement, and it's yeah gonna have to soundproof a little bit somehow. But yeah, but we're here finally. And I was on vacation doing my thing too, so we're back together. This will be how it is from here on out. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sticking with us during all that. Yep. Uh, shall we? Well, first should I tell my story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've lived in my house for seven years, and my air has been really, like the unit that was in the house was not as powerful as it should have been. So I had to get, spend $8,000, very Yikes. important on new AC unit and a new furnace. That's a good, I mean, that's a lot of money, but you got to have it. You got to have it. Yes. And my furnace was 32 years old. Jeez. And it still worked great. And I hated getting rid of it because it worked fine. But I mean. Are they supposed to last that long? No. I was going like to say, 20 I feel years. like that's a long time. Yeah. So we just did it all in one fail swoop. But so these guys were at my house for like 12 hours and they were young kids. You know, they were great workers, did great job. But they had, we have no outside plugs to our house. Which is strange. It is. And I think it's because it was added on to. Uh, and I think they. Covered them. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the basement, you can kind of see where I think some were. And then it got covered up by the add-on. Was it your kitchen that was added on? Yeah. I was gonna, that was the okay. porch. Huh. And underneath that tile is still cement. Oh, dang. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah. It's hmm. hard as hell. I bet. Don't, <laughs> Cement tends to be don't, bad. <laughs> don't fall in there. Um, so anyway, so the guy comes in with his extension cord looking like, where can I plug this in? And I said, oh, I'll get you. I'll plug it in in here. I'll stick it out the window and you can do your thing. So I'm at the computer working on these lovely notes <laughs> and I stand up and I go to the outlet. And before I can even plug it in the socket, he's like, is that Hitler? <laughs> I'm like... Oh, <laughs> yes, it is. It is Hitler. Are you in school? No, I'm not in school. <laughs> so what are you doing looking at Hitler? And I'll tell you, it was a sassy picture of Hitler with his <laughs> pants pulled up to his nipples. His overalls on. And uh, his his later hosen. Yeah, that's, was, that's good. Yeah, nice. I was trying to think of that word and couldn't get there. <laughs> and looking all sassy. And so I said, no, I do this thing with my brother. We have a podcast and, you know, we talk about really horrific things in history. He's like, are you in school? I'm like, nope. <laughs> still no. Still not I'm in not school. enrolled in the last 20 like, seconds. So what are you doing? I said, I'm looking up. I'm doing notes for our topic this week, which happens to be Adolf Hiller. <laughs> so he pretty much just doesn't understand and <laughs> retreats back to the basement to work on the furnace thinking I am surely a Nazi. So then his partner comes up. He should have put some like, like <laughs> some old like Nazi clothes in the basement. <laughs> but now nah, those aren't mine. Those aren't mine. Those must have came with the house. Yeah. <laughs> Still not in school either. He should have walked downstairs with like, like mascara <laughs> on your lip. Like. <laughs> 
So then his Ew. partner comes upstairs to use the bathroom, and I'm playing, I'm doing my notes, and I'm listening to Rob Zombie, and he starts talking to me about <laughs> Rob Zombie, and then I'm like, I think I scared your friend, and he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I do a podcast with my brother, and we're talking about Adolf Hitler, and he happened to see my computer, and Adolf Hitler was there, and I think he thinks I'm a Nazi. He's starts cracking up because he can comprehend what I'm saying. I think the other guy was just so shook with the fact that I had Hitler on my computer. <laughs> he wasn't getting it. He was working his, to the bone yeah. trying to get out of here. I got to get out of here. <laughs> right? It's hot as hell. I need to get these people air. Um, <laughs> get these Nazis somewhere. <laughs> so he said that he was going to go downstairs and mess with him and say that I had swastikas on my toilet paper. <laughs> oh, so man. I made a friend... And then I made probably a guy who thinks I need to be committed somewhere. Did you tell him about the podcast? Like what the name yeah. of it is and everything? Yeah. So maybe maybe this. we'll have a listener. <laughs> but I know Swastika's one person on who is paper. not going to be listening. Oh, man. Poor kid. That's so funny. Yep. So with that. <laughs> I told Allie to just say it was just her idol. Right. Like, no, it's just my wallpaper. <laughs> Somebody I look up to. <laughs> big you know. fan of the guy. <laughs> not true. He's terrible. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> All right, so how about you start us off with Baby Hitler? <laughs> that sounds like a death metal band, it does. Baby Hitler. Rob Zombie and <laughs> Baby Hitler come into a town near you. Oh, man. Okay, so Adolf Hitler was born April 20th, 1889 at 6.30 p.m. It was Easter Sunday in Braunau am Inn. We're going to say some shit wrong to people. Yeah, probably. It's German. Austrian and German. I don't know those words. Okay. <laughs> so it was Austria-Hungary to Alois, I think is how you say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hitler Sr. and Clara Polzl? Polzy? Polzl? P-O-L-Z-L. Yep. That's, those should never be next to each other. It's difficult. <laughs> he had five siblings. Gustav died at the age of two in 1887. Ida died at the age of two in 1888. Otto died within a year of birth in 1887. And Edmund died at the age of six in 1900. His sister Paula Paula was born in 1896 and lived until 1960. So she was the only one. And I feel like that's why people had a lot of kids back in the day because they knew a lot of them weren't going to make it. Isn't that terrible? That's Yeah, that's within... Two years of each other, they lost three kids. Yep. That's awful. I think it was to the um, to the fever, mm. you know. They used to have a lot of kids, though, too, so they could like help. Just yeah, so they could have, on like, the farm. Yeah, free help, basically. Yeah, I get that. I have Evie help me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, take this shit out to the trash, you peasant. Still no. translates, yeah. <laughs> so, Alois, that sounds like a girl name, but that's his father, just mm. so you know was an Austrian customs official, and the family lived a comfortable lifestyle, but he had a really bad temper and attitude. He would take his rage out on his children, which maybe that's why some of them didn't make it. I don't know. Uh, Clara, she was a delight, but because of the time, she had no power in the house. She tried to protect her kids from Alois, but was unsuccessful most of the time. Mm. So when Hitler was three, the family moved to Passau, Germany, where he started speaking a lower Bavarian dialect instead of Austrian German, or instead of an Austrian German accent. So that's why he doesn't sound like he's from Austria. Yeah, he basically. sounds like he's straight up German. Yeah. So in 1894, the family moved back to Austria in Leonding, and in June of 1895, Alois retired to Haffield near Lambach, where he farmed bees. Which is important. Yeah. It is. Bees are important. Birch bees. That's a thing. It's expensive. Yeah, it is. Some good bees. And I don't really like it. No, it doesn't taste very good. I mean, you're not supposed to eat it. What? (laughs) (laughs) Don't taste good on your lips. (laughs) Uh, Hitler attended Volkschule Primary School in Fischelham, and his relationship with his father became worse as he refused to conform uh, to the discipline he dealt with at school. Yeah. In 1897... The bee farm didn't work out, and they moved back to Lambach. Hitler took singing lessons and sang in the church choir. He considered becoming a priest. Could you imagine that? Wow. In 1898, the family moved back to Lending, and in 1900, (laughs) his brother Edmund passed away from the measles. Oh, it was the measles, not the fever. Getcha. 
The death of his brother changed his personality. Where he was once confident and outgoing, he became detached and fought with his teachers and his father. Alois became quite successful in the Customs Bureau and wanted Hitler to follow in his footsteps. Hitler wanted to become an artist and go to art school, but Alois pushed him to go to Real School in Linz in September of 1900 against his will. Because he did so poorly at the school, uh, with hopes that his father would let him do what he wanted. Yeah. So he basically just... Gave up. He Yeah, he acted stupid. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of smart. Man, I mean, he is kind of stupid. Mm, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> but he is smart, too, in some things. <laughs> man, somebody quote that. Clip that one. <laughs> He's so stupid, but he is smart, though. <laughs> in some things. World domination. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Hitler was proud to be a German nationalist, even at a young age. He was loyal only to Germany. <clears throat> Him and his friends used the greeting Heil and sang Deutschlanded instead of the Austrian imperial anthem. Hmm. <laughs> On January 3rd of 1903, Alois suddenly died and his mother allowed him to leave to enroll in real school in Steyr uh, in September of 1904, and his grades improved. In 1905, he passed the final exam but left with no ambition to follow in his father's footsteps. Yeah, he wanted to be his own man. An artiste. Yes. In 1907, Hitler left Linz to live and study art in Vienna with money his mother had given him. He applied to the Academy of Fine Arts Vienna, but was rejected twice. The director of the school suggested he apply to the School of Architecture, but he didn't have the grades to get in because he did not finish secondary school. If only they would have let him in. I know. It would have changed the whole world. <laughs> That's so wild. Isn't it? Like the, the forks in the thing. road. Yeah. yeah. So, let's see. On December 21st, 1907, his mother died of breast cancer at the age of 47 when Hitler was 18. In 1909, Hitler ran out of money and would stay in homeless shelters. He earned money by doing side jobs and selling his paintings he did in watercolor. While in Vienna, he found a love of architecture and music and attended 10 performances of Lohergrin. Uh, which was his favorite Wagner opera. I didn't know that he was homeless. Did you? I did not. While Vienna had expanded his mind to art and music, it was also where he first witnessed racism. German nationalism had become widespread in the Merhalf district of Vienna, where he lived. He was inspired by George Ritter von Schroner, a German nationalist. Too many names. Did that sound good, though? Not it sounded bad. like I knew what I was doing. You knew the guy. National radical and Martin Luther, not Martin Luther mm -hmm. King. Different. Different. Because I actually was like, what? Martin Luther King? <laughs> and then I was like, no, 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 no. This motherfucker right here. Not the same guy who was a priest in the Catholic Church. He would frequently read local newspapers and pamphlets that wrote about philosophers and theoretical people. <laughs> theoretical people. Mm -hmm. Love those people. While no one knows exactly when Hitler's switch had been flipped, his friend August Kubasek claimed that he was an anti-Semitist before he even left Linz. Historian Bridget Hammond uh, believed, believes it was, it was in Vienna where this ideal was cemented in him. Yeah, so some people are saying it was before he even got there, but this probably dr just drove it home. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Hitler received the rest of his father's estate in May 1913, and he moved to Munich, Germany, where he joined the Austro-Hungarian Army. Whoa. They sent him to Salzburg on February 5th, 1914 for a medical assessment, which deemed him unfit because of his inadequate physical vigor. I would punch somebody in the face. How dare you? <laughs> if they tell me I'm inadequate, I have inadequate physical vigor. That's, that's kind of pretty. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank you. And be like, You're fat and you can't run. Yeah. Really. I think that's a compliment. That's true. So he came back to Munich because he couldn't get in. He later claimed that he did not want to serve the Habsburg Empire because of the mix of races in his army, not because he couldn't pass the test. Mm. That's what I would Likely do. story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In 1914, World War I started while Hitler was living in Munich. He voluntarily enlisted in the Bavarian army. Reports from 1924 say that allowing Hitler to serve was almost an admin error since the or since he was an Austrian citizen. He should have been returned to Austria. Yeah, he shouldn't have been able to enlist. That's interesting. Yeah. There's so many things 
we're like barely into this, and there's so many things that just like would have changed everything. Yeah, if he just already. wouldn't have let them go into the army, who knows? He would have been a homeless guy still selling watercolor paintings. If somebody would have caught this little admin error, mm-hmm. that could have shifted the whole life. Think about being the admin to that error. Yeah, like rough. Son of a bitch. He was posted to the Bavarian Reserve Infantry Regime 16, where he served as a dispatch runner on the Western Front in France and Belgium, but was kept well behind the front lines. He was actually decorated for bravery, receiving the Iron Cross second class in 1914, which I don't really understand if you're like, you were just there, right? Like, if you're not in the front lines, that's... I probably just pissed a lot of people off. That's not what I meant. I just mean it didn't sound like he was in the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I know nothing and claim to know nothing about like German armies. Yeah. But it's like every, it might just be movies though. Every movie you watch, I feel like everybody has an Iron Cross. Yeah. I think it's like the Purple Heart. But no, well, no, Purple Heart's when you get injured. Well, and that's like, that's a very prestigious honor. They don't just give that to everybody. So maybe it is just everybody who was in the war. It's like a participation trophy. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Did I just piss somebody off too? Probably. We probably pissed people off left I don't mean it. I don't mean it. Just this, I'm only talking about Hitler. He didn't deserve it, I'm sure. Yeah. I just know, like, it seems, it's probably just the way Hollywood depicts him, but it seems like every, in every Nazi movie, like everybody has an Iron Cross. Like every high ranking Mm -hmm. person has an Iron Cross. Yeah. So, and uh, I thought that Iron Crosses were only Hitler, like only Nazis. I didn't know because this is before Nazis. Oh, yeah, it's just like a German thing. Yeah, yeah. So I always associate yeah, the Iron Cross yeah. to Nazis, but I didn't know that it was before. Right, that, that is it's interesting. Just a German. I never thing. really thought about that, but mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. So he was there for the first half of the Battle of Priests, the Battle of Somme. The Battle of Aris and the Battle of Pashadale. Mm-hmm. Definitely didn't say that right, but I tried my best. <laughs> in the Battle of Somme, he was wounded in the left thigh when a shell exploded in the dispatch runner's dugout. He spent two months in the hospital at Belletz, where he worked on his artwork, drawing cartoons, and instructions for an army paper. He returned to his regiment on March 5th, 1917. He received the Black Wound Badge on May 18th, 1918. That's probably like our purple heart. Yeah, must be like the same thing. Yeah. His lieutenant, Hugo, Hugo, Hugo. Hugo, Hugo there. <laughs> Hugo Gutman recommended that he receive the Iron, Cla- Iron Cross first class and was given to him on August 4th, 1918. On October 15th, 1918, he was temporarily blinded in a mustard gas attack and was hospitalized in Passawalk. While there, he learned of the Germans' defeat and stated that he suffered a second bout of blindness. Blindness. How dramatic can you be? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we lost. <laughs> My eyes. <laughs> no. Oh, and boy. I thought it was interesting, too, because I don't know if the Purple Heart is like this, but just like the Iron Cross, they have first class, second class, third class, fourth class. So yeah, never, that's interesting, too. I don't, I don't know nothing about that. I don't think, because I think... I don't know anything about military medals, but like Medal of Honor is like the highest you can receive. Yeah. I don't think there's no classes to that. It's just like that's you, you get, get it that. in your number. If one. you have never, I highly recommend going on YouTube and watching people receive the Medal of Honor. It's oh. like one of the most moving things you'll ever see. Oh, I bet. It's so cool. Like I, I, a bunch of them with like Obama. I know a lot of people probably aren't fans of Obama, but he's like such a good like order. Like just uh-huh. him they talk about like the battle they were in uh-huh. and everything they went through. Yeah. And then they like bring the person up if they're still around. Yeah. A lot of them a lot of, majority of people that receive the Medal of Honor die in action. Yeah. Aww, but that is so sad. There's one man, this dude, I forget his name. I hate myself for forgetting his name. But he like got he basically like got blown apart. Mm-hmm. And he woke up in, I forget the hospital, it was in D.C. And they had like reconstructed everything in him, basically. Oh, wow. And then he was there and like received the medal. That's amazing. And it's like, but it's, it's like, man, if you want to like cry for a couple hours, yeah. just watch all those. So oh, you're going to make me cry right now. I can't emotionally handle this. And they, they'll like give the medal like to their parents oh, or like their family. Yeah. If they're, so just, just a disclaimer here, people. I am not saying, Jordan's not saying anything negative about... 
the U.S. military and what they do because we know that they. I don't know. We have we have the utmost respect yeah. and appreciate everybody's service. Of course. Yeah. So nothing we say here. Don't be offended. No. Yeah. Just we're just messing around. We're like. Well, it's, sh- it's Hitler. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, I just want to. I just don't want to get a nasty comment that yeah. riles me up. It has nothing to do with... No, we have family in the military. We, yeah, we yeah. very much appreciate everything yeah. that everybody does for us to live free and... Yes. So, just disclaimer. Yes. Okay? Absolutely. So, Hitler said that the war was the greatest of all experiences. The war in- enforced his German patriotism, and he was shocked by the armistice. I'm going to say that wrong. I think that's how you say it. Armistice. Armistice. We're going to say it a lot. Armistice. Okay. Germany agreed to in November 1918. The bitterness he had over the collapse of the war uh, further shaped his hateful ideal. Many German nationalists believe the stab in the back myth, which means they claim that Germany, the German army was undefeated in the field and they were stabbed in the back by home front civilian leaders, Jews, Marx, Marxism, Marxists, Marxists, and those who signed the armistice that ended the fight. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Nailed it. They were later dubbed the November criminals because mm. they think that they were just, you know, on the front lines fighting this battle. And then everybody at home was just ruining it for them. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the armistice was a document that was signed that ended fighting on land, sea, and air in World War One between the Allies and their last remaining opponent, which was Germany. Side note. Could you imagine... Being like a pilot fighter in World War One. No, they like how planes are like ten years old, and yeah. they automatically turn them into war machines. Uh huh. And they had like fucking like paper wings. <laughs> yeah. And people are at. shooting at God you. God damn! That's I am- could not imagine. That's amazing. That Those people most- are freaking brave. Oh yeah, that's like I could not imagine anything more terrifying. No, like, it's like- I bet most of the time the planes didn't even work properly. Like they probably just like stalled out and then you crash. Yeah. I don't even think they had parachutes in 1914. Like they probably didn't figure that out yet. Ooh, hopefully they did. I don't know when that was a thing, but it My, couldn't have been down pat. They could just like no, strap this I mean, paper if, bag on your back. <laughs> the fighting stopped um, uh, at 11 a.m. on the dot on November 11th, 1918. On the last day of war, 2,738 men died just on that one last day until 11 a.m. That's, uh, is it Veterans Day? Is 11-11? Uh, don't ask me about dates. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, maybe I'm way wrong. Sounds good. Yeah. I don't think so. Let me Google. How many, you want to put money on it? No, I don't have money. <laughs> All right. I like that. I like your style. Yeah, November 11th. See? That's why I don't bet. Because I lose. Because it's like the 11th day and the 11th hour. Yeah, yeah. That speech. Uh-huh. Yeah. FDR, yep. maybe? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was FDR. I know that. So you didn't know the days. <laughs> no. And the only reason why I know about FDR is because we'll talk about them in a minute. Oh. So the Treaty of Versailles stipulated that Germany had to give up several of its territories and demilitarize the Rhineland. Do you know what Rhine means? Beer. No. We're from, well, in Cincinnati, there's a big brewery called Rheingeist, but Rhine, or no, Geist, I'm sorry, is German for ghost. What's Rhine then? I don't know. Oh, so, <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me something good. Uh, I what does Rhine mean in German? But town? Let's see. No, town land, that it makes sense. Sorry, uh, German listeners. I know Geist is ghost. Rhine means? It means the, the peel of something. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it rhymed. means it's an it's just a proper noun for river that flows through Europe. Rhine? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Not what I thought. Yeah, a river. It's just a river. Huh. Huh. So wait, because there's the thing in Cincinnati over the Rhine. Is it over a river? No. Oh. Well, they're wrong. That's what. Are you sure? That's Rhine. what it said. I don't know. Let's see. Rhine. The river. <laughs> Rhine meaning in German. Let's see. Yeah, river. River. Yeah. river that flows. 
Yep. Who knew? Hmm. Hmm. Name my next dog that. Ryan. Weird. That is weird. I thought it meant something good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was, wow, we got a real sidetrack. So many Germans saw the treaty as a unjust humiliation, especially when it was declared that Germany was responsible for the war. Hitler would use this for political gain in the future. Damn it. <clears throat> that it's just like, like, have you ever seen that movie <laughs> by that guy? Oh, my God. The Germans, Nazi, 100 Nazi scalps. Oh, Inglorious Bastards? Yeah. I like that movie, and I wish it would have ended that way. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to say, I like that movie. And just... That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like that one about him and Manson. You really wish that Manson, oh, yeah. you know, that they just beat the shit out of him with dog can, but yeah. it didn't work out. Anyways, <laughs> uh, after <laughs> World War One, Hitler went back to Munich but remained in the army. In July 1919, he was appointed as an intelligence agent of a reconnaissance unit. He was assigned to influence other soldiers... Soldiers. <laughs> and to infiltrate the German Workers' Party, DAP. At a DAP meeting on September 12, 1919, party chairman Anton Drexler was impressed with Hitler speaking and gave him a copy of his pamphlet. My political awakening, which was a very heavy into anti-Semitic nationalist, anti-capitalist, and anti-Marxist ideas. Man, this guy hits everybody. He really does. <clears throat> Hitler applied to join the party, and within a week he was accepted as party member 555. Could you imagine having a pamphlet of just things you hate? <laughs> I'd have a big old pamphlet. <laughs> Man, I that'd hate, be more like a book. <laughs> I hate weather over 90 degrees. I hate weather under 30 degrees. I hate people that drive slow. Man, that'd be a long one. I hate people that talk on speakerphone while they're in public. Oh, yes, I hate that too. I don't need to know your, your conversation, Donna. I even hate people that talk on speakerphone in the car that hold their phone. Like, I get it if you put your phone in, like, a cup holder and have it on speakerphone. But, but there's you, people that fucking drive around on speakerphone holding the phone up to their face. And it's supposed to be hands-free. Yeah, it's like, you're my, hold it up to your ear. <laughs> you're holding it already. <laughs> people. Uh, dumb, dumb. Yep. We got some dummies. Oh, man. So around the same time, Hitler made his earliest known statement about the Jews in a letter known as the Gimlich, uh, Gimlich letter that was dated September 16th, 1919 to Adolf Gimlich. Hitler argues that in the aim of the government most or must unshakably be the removal of Jews altogether. Yeah. Oof. This is the start of the shit. Yeah. So while attending DAP meetings, Hitler met uh, Dietrich Eckert. That sounds very German. I like Dietrich. Dietrich. That is a cool-ass name. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was one of the party's founders and a member of the Occult Thule Society. Eckert became Hitler's mentor, and they would discuss, <laughs> and he would introduce him to a wide range of the Munich Society. The DAP changed its name to the National Socialist German Workers' Party, or NSDAP. Not, doesn't roll off the tongue the same. No. Uh, which was in an attempt to make it more appealing. This otherwise was known as the Nazi Party. So, not a good party. No, don't want to be a part of that party. (laughs) Uh, Hitler designed the party's banner of a swastika in a white circle with a red background. And I didn't know that he drew that either. I didn't either. So that's interesting. I'm not, I don't know if you have it in here or not, but I think that's like, that came from somewhere. Like, he didn't make that. That was like. swastika? Yeah. Like, it was something before. I don't know. I don't think I saw that. Let me see. We're doing some on-the-fly research. We're a little rusty. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Munich. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that mean that somebody that doesn't have, like, is that a, what is that? Whenever somebody doesn't have their balls. Munich? Yeah. What? I don't know. Or is that a numic? <laughs> or am I making it up? Eunuch. 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 What's a eunuch? So, yeah. Here's a, this is a BBC News article that I found. Says how the world loved the swastika until Hitler stole it. Um, in the ancient Indian language, the of Sans- Sanskrit, swastika means well-being. Huh. The symbol has been used by Hindus, Buddhists, and Jains for millennia, and is commonly associated uh, or assumed to be an Indian sign. 
Early Western travelers to Asia were inspired by its positive and ancient associations and starting to use to get back home. By the early, or, yeah, by the early 20th century, there was a huge fad for the swastika as a benign good luck symbol. <laughs> There's like a thing here with Coca-Cola. With a swastika on yeah, it? Yeah, it's a swastika oh. with Coca-Cola. Oh, they regret it. Coca-Cola used it. It says Carlsbad, or Carlsberg, used it on their beer bottles. The Boy Scouts adopted it, and the Girl Scouts of America called their magazine swastika. Ooh. They even used to send out uh, swastika badges to their young readers as a prize for selling copies of the magazine. Dang. Yeah. So it was not, he basically saw it somewhere. He's like, that's neat. And And then he did the circle. In yeah, the red background. Yeah. There's mm. images here with the circle, but yeah, like the back, the flag is like what it's famous for. Hmm. But yeah. That's interesting. That's crazy that it means well-being. Yeah, it does because it's, it's not well-being. Um, no, not, good, not at all. So let's go back to this eunuch situation. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> can I tell you how dumb I am? <laughs> okay. You know the mu- movie Munich? Isn't that about like the bombing? Yeah. Well, I thought it meant eunuch. Which I just thought he was a guy that was pissed off because his sexual organs were removed. Where? Why? I don't know. <laughs> Why did that come to your head? Because I thought it the whole time. What do they call those people that they cut their balls off so they can sing higher? What? Yeah. Did they do that? People think uh, like chemically castrated. People oh. think Michael Jackson was that. Really? That's why he could sing so high. Huh. Like, There's like videos of like early 1900s like choirs yeah and they're all like that and they can sing like women really because like the balls creates testosterone that, and they go that makes your voice deep <gasps> so they do it when they're young and then the voice never deep gets deep and they, they but can they can't sing. have kids no but they can sing real good dang hmm. okay we're all well, over the map here there we go <laughs> so now i need to go watch munich <laughs> Oh shit! It's not what I thought it was. Okay. Yikes! <laughs> Hitler the movie ends like why did was it? Guy never lost his balls. This doesn't even make any sense. This is, it never happened. <laughs> I thought he was just real pissed. I don't know. Oh my god! Hitler, he was charged, discharged from the army on March thirty first, nineteen twenty, and began working full time for the NSDAP headquarters in Munich. In February 1921, Hitler spoke to 6,000 people. To publicize this meeting, two truckloads of party supporters drove around Munich, waving swastika flags and hanging, handing out flyers. Hitler gained notoriety for his rowdy speeches against the Treaty of Versailles. R- rival politicians, Marcus, Marxists, I can't say that word to save my life. Marxists. Marxists and Jews. Could you imagine? Like, have you seen him in his speeches? He is very rowdy. Yeah. He's very angry. Ow, 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 ow. That, that's, yeah. Just like that. Just, just like him. Mm-hmm. Just close my eyes, I was there. Mm-hmm. I wonder how tall he was. I bet he was like 5'9". I bet he was short. I bet he was I feel like nine. he had little man syndrome. You you do the next thing and I'll figure out how old he was. How tall he was. <laughs> how old he was. <laughs> Uh, okay, so in June of 1921, Hitler and Eckert were on a fundraising trip to Berlin when a mutiny broke out within the Nazi party in Munich. Members of its executive committee wanted to merge with the Nuremberg-based German Socialist Party. Hitler returned to Munich on July 11th and gave, its, or gave his res- resignation angrily. The Imagine fear. that. Yeah. He says everything angrily. <laughs> he does. And the Führer, he was 5'9". Five 5'9". Nine. Five nine. Well, you nailed it. I did. He just looked like a 5'9 to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he was not tall, but he was not super short. I feel like... Probably back then, that was probably pretty tall, right? Because I'm 5'9". And yeah. I'm a mahemoth. I guess. Amazon woman. That's not short, I guess. I feel like that's about average. Yeah. I just think everybody's short. Dad's 5'9". Yeah. And he's got a mustache. True. But he's not Hitler. Different guy. Tell you that. Yeah. Okay. Everybody seems short to me. Yeah. That's what happens. I just kept on going. You did. (laughs) You did. I was 5'9 in like ninth grade. Yeah. I was 5'9 in ninth grade too, and then I just stopped. (laughs) I peaked. All right. The committee uh, members realized that the resignation of their public speaker would mean the party would fall apart. 
Hitler announced he would rejoin on the condition he would replace Drexler as party chairman and the party headquarters would remain in Munich. The committee agreed and he rejoined the party on July 26th as member 3,680. He continued to face opposing views within the Nazi party. Opposers of Hitler in the leadership had Hermann Essler expelled from the party and printed 3,000 copies of a pamphlet attacking Hitler attacking Hitler as a traitor to the party. He, uh, Hitler spoke at several packed houses to defend himself from the, the pamphlets, and people loved it. Hmm. His strategy proved successful, and at a special party congress on July 29th, he was granted absolute powers as party chairman, replacing Drexler by a vote of 533 to 1. So you know that one was Drexler. Damn, yeah. How, like, but he threw a fit. Like, that's what it was. Yeah. He's like a child, like, uh, I'm leaving, and you're not coming to my birthday party. And then they let him come back. Yeah. And then gave him chairman. Poor Drexler. <laughs> I bet he wasn't that great guy. I'm sure not, but. Isn't it crazy, though, like, the effect that just how, like, someone's speech, like, a speech mm-hmm. can, like, have on people? Well, that's like cults. If they're a good yeah. speaker, they can talk people into anything. It's just weird how, like. That affects people so deeply because mm-hmm. it's like you can like pregame speeches from like coaches. I like, get you all riled up. Mm-hmm. It's like it's weird how that affects your like it really affects how you feel. Yeah, it's crazy. So Hitler would regularly do beer hall speeches, which he uh, started attracting regular audiences. He used populist themes with scapegoats who were blamed for the audience's economic hardship. Hitler used personal magnetism and an understanding of crowd psychology to his advantage while speaking. Historians noted the hypnotic effect of his rhetoric on large audiences uh, and his eyes in small groups. Alphonse Heck, a former member of the Hitler Youth, said, We erupted into a frenzy of nationalistic pride that bordered on hysteria. For minutes on end, we shouted to the top of our lungs with tears streaming down our faces, Sieg Heil, Sieg Heil, Sieg Heil. From that moment on, I belong to Hitler Ad- or Adolf Hitler's body and soul. That's crazy. That's, yeah. So basically like a cult. Yeah. Like he just made you believe. He made a whole country a cult. Fucking wild. That is. That's terrifying. Anybody could just mm-hmm. do that at any time. Yeah. A critical influence on Hitler's thinking during this period was the Abu Verung, which was a conspirator. I can't read. Conspiratorial group of white Russian exiles and early Nazis. The group financed by wealthy industrialists introduced Hitler to the idea of the Jewish conspiracy, linking international finance with Bolshevism, which is a theory focusing on overthrowing and seizing power. So they thought that the Jews were going to come take all their money and take all of them out of office and rule the kingdom. Hmm. So the program of the National Party was laid out on their 25-point plan on February 24th, 1920, which here are the 25 points. We demand the union of all Germans from the greater, or from, yeah, from the greater Germany on the basis of the people's right to self-determination enjoyed by the nations. Number two, we demand equality of rights for the German people and its dealings with other nations and abolition of the peace treaties of Versailles and St. Germain. We demand land and territory for the sustenance of our people and colonization of our superfluous population. Superfluous. Wow. Woo. What a word. It is. None uh, but members of the nation, maybe citizens of the state, none but those of German blood, whatever their creed may be, no Jew, therefore... Uh, maybe a member of the nation. Yep. Isn't that crazy though? Because like Hitler wasn't even that, right? Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. I wonder if anybody knew that. I don't even think he knew that. He knew he wasn't born in Germany. Oh well, yeah, because he was Austrian. Yeah, but nobody needs to know that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like people probably didn't know. Yeah, that's crazy. Whoever has no citizenship is able to live in Germany only as a guest. And must be regarded as being subject to foreign laws. The right of voting, number six, is the right of voting on the state's government and legis- 
legislation is to be enjoyed by the citizen of the state alone. We demand, therefore, that all official appointments of whatever kind shall be granted to citizens of the state alone. We oppose the corrupting custom of Parliament of filling posts merely with a view to party considerations and without reference to character or capability. I don't know what that means. Uh-uh. Number seven, we demand that the state be charged first with providing the opportunity for livelihood, a way of life for the citizens. If it's impossible to nourish the total population of the state, then the members of foreign nations must be be excluded from the Reich. Wow. So just start kicking people out. Crazy. And all immigration of non-Germans must be prevented. We demand that all non-Germans who have immigrated to Germany since August 2nd, 1914, be required immediately to leave the Reich. All citizens of the state shall be equal as regards rights and obligations. Well, they weren't really true about that one. No. The first obligation of every citizen must be to productively work mentally or physically. The activity of individual may not clash with the interests of the whole, but must proceed within the framework of the whole for the benefit for the general good. We demand, therefore, Abolition. (laughs) abolition of unearned work and labor incomes, breaking of debt, interest slavery, so, in consideration, this is number 12, in consideration of the monstrous sacrifice of life and property that each war demands of the people, personal enrichment due to a war must be regarded as a crime against the nation. Therefore, we would demand ruthless confiscation of all war profits. Ruthless. So they're just going to take it all. We demand nationalization of all businesses which have been up uh, to the presented formed into companies or trusts. Number 14, we demand that profits from the wholesale trade shall be shared out. Number 15, we demand an expansion of a large-scale old-age welfare. Uh, Number 16, we demand the creation of a healthy middle class and its conservation. Immediate communalization of great warehouses and their being leased at low cost to small firms the utmost consideration of all small firms in contracts with the state, county, or municipality. We demand a land reform suitable for our needs, provision of a law uh, for the free exploration of land for the purpose of public utility, abolition of taxes on land, and prevention of all speculation in the land. Number 18, we demand struggle without consideration against those whose activity is injurious to the general interests Common national criminals, uh, usurers, never heard that word before, profiteers, and so forth are to be punished with death without consideration of confession or race. Wow. Yikes. We demand, number 19, we demand substitution of a German law in place of the Roman law serving a materialistic world order. Hmm. Number 20, the state is to be responsible for a fundamental reconstruction of our whole national education program to enable every capable and industrious German to obtain higher education and subsequently introduction into leading positions. That one's not bad. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The the plans of instruction of all educational institutions are to confirm with the experiences of practical life. The comprehension of the concept of the state must be striven for by the school as early as the beginning of understanding. We demand the education at the expense of the state of outstanding intellectual gifted children of poor parents without consideration of position or profession. 21, the state is to care for the elevating national health by protecting the mother and child, by outlawing child labor, by the encouragement of physical fitness, by means of the legal establishment of a gymnastic and sports obligation. That's not, so strange. Not bad either. Yeah. By the utmost support of all organizations concerned with the physical instruction of the young. It's so funny. They'll be like, one's like, we're going to kill you with no chance to confess. Right. And then they're like, you got to work out though. Right. <laughs> Right, and you got to be smart. Yeah, it's so weird. We demand abolish. Why can't I say this? Abolition. Abolition. It looks like abolishment. Yeah, that's what it's like. The. Oh, I want to say that. 
<laughs> well, okay. <laughs> of the mercenary troops and formation of a national army. 23, we demand legal opposition to no known lies in their promulgation. Yeah. Through the press in order to enable the provision of German press. So they're going to. They're going to have their hands in everything. Yeah. Um, Shocker. They, all writers and employees of the newspaper appearing in German language be members of the race. Non-German newspapers be required to have the express permissions of the state to be published. They may not be printed in the German language. Non-Germans are forbidden by law any financial interest in German publications or any influence on them as punishment for violation. The closing of the such publication as well as an immediate expulsion from the Reich of the non-German concerned. Hmm. 24. We demand freedom of religion for all religious denominations within the state so long as they do not endanger its existence or oppose the moral senses of the Germanic race. Which is funny, because Hitler wanted to stop Christianity, essentially. Yeah. So, number 25, for the execution of all of this, we demand the formation of a strong central power in the Reich, unlimited authority of the central parliament over the whole Reich and its organizations in general, the forming of state and profession chambers for the execution of the laws made by the Reich within the various states of the Confederation, the leader of the party promised, if necessary, by sacrificing their own lives to support by the execution of the points set forth above without consideration. So they will lie down for this law. Mm-hmm. Wish he did. <laughs> In 1923, Hitler asked World War I General Erich Lundendorf, that's a real German last name, uh, for an attempted coup known as the Beer Hall Putsch. Pooch? Putsch? I think it's Putsch. Putsch. The Nazi party used Italian fascism as a model for their appearance and politics. Hitler wanted to, cop- cop- <laughs> wanted to copy Benito Mussolini's March on Rome by staging his own coup in Bavaria to be followed by a challenge of government in Berlin. Hitler and Ludendorff sought the support of the state commissioner, Gustav Ritter von Kahr. Uh, however, Kahr, along with police chief Hans Ritter von Seisser, <laughs> it just sounds angry. Franz Heiser. <laughs> and Reichswehr General Otto von Lossau <laughs> wanted to install a nationalist dictatorship without Hitler. Bye. See you. On November 8th of 1923, Hitler and the SA stormed. <laughs> that sounded like it was Mexican, it's not. In the SA. <laughs> <laughs> stormed a public meeting of 3,000 people organized. 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 That's a word. <laughs> organized. Organized. <laughs> oh, Organi- organized. Holy shit. We got there. Organized by Carr in, oh man, Burger Brockheller. Yeah. A beer hall in Munich. They interrupted Carr's speech and announced that the National Revolution had begun and declared the formation of a new government with Ludendorff. They moved to a back room. Uh, wait. They moved to a back room, Hitler having a handgun drawn, demanding the support of Carr, Seisser, and Losau. Hitler initially succeeded in occupying the local Reichswehr and police headquarters, but Carr and his buddies quickly withdrew their support. Yeah, because he didn't have a gun on him anymore. <laughs> Neither the army or the state police joined forces with Hitler. The next day, Hitler and his followers marched from the beer hall to the Bavarian war ministry to overthrow the Bavarian government, but police stopped them. 16 party members and four police officers were killed. Yeah, the Nazis. 16 Nazis. Mm. Nazi scalps. (laughs) I love that movie so much. (laughs) That's a good movie. It is. Hitler ran to the home... (laughs) Arriva Derche. <laughs> oh, man. Brett okay. Pitt's a freaking treasure. He is. He is. Hitler ran to the home of Ernst Hafenstagen <laughs> by some accounts planned to commit suicide. That's so not even close. <laughs> sure it is. It's a hum, hum stable. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know. You just got to be committed. Oh, boy. He was depressed but calm <laughs> and was arrested on November 11th, 1923 for high treason. 
His trial before the Special People's Court in Munich began in February 1924. Stop it. This is serious. You said that. Oh, my God. Treason. I treason. <laughs> like question. Treason. He was sentenced to five years in prison at Landsberg Prison. There, he said he received friendly treatment with the guards and was allowed to receive mail from supporters and regular visits by party friends. Party friends. Party friends. <laughs> he was pardoned by the Bavarian Supreme Court and released from jail on December 20th, 1924, against the prosecutor's objections. Hitler only served a little over one year in prison. Didn't know he was in prison either. Mm-mm. Didn't know he was homeless. Not shocked, though. Didn't know he was in prison. And he should have been in there for five years. If he would have been in there five years, maybe this would have never happened. Another fork in the road. There's a lot. This guy's got a freaking hole. Damn you, Bavarian Supreme Court. <laughs> While he was imprisoned at Landsberg, he dictated most of the first volume of Mein Kampf, or My Struggle in English, which was originally titled Four and a Half Years of the Struggle Against Lies, Stupidity, and Cowardice. Uh, <laughs> man's got some freaking beef. He does about everything. <laughs> At first to his chauffeur, Emil Maurice, and then... That's a dope name. Mm, Maurice. Maurice. Uh, Then to his deputy, Rudolf Hess. The book dedicated to Thule Society member Dietrich Eckert was an autobiography and exposition of his ideology. The book laid out his plans for transforming German society into one based on race. Through the book, Jews are compared to germs and presented as international... Poisoners of society. According to Hitler's ideology, the only solution was their extermination, but he did not describe exactly how this would be accomplished. Yeah, because he didn't know. Son of a bitch. Yeah, whoa. Whoa, you heard that (laughs) Okay, so this was published in two volumes. One was published in 1925 and one was in 1926. Mein Kampf sold 228,000 copies between 1925 and 1932. One million copies were sold in 1933, which was Hitler's first year in office. Hmm. Dad has this book. Does he? Yeah, it's bright orange. And I've tried really hard to read it. And it's... uh, Oh, yeah. He's a complainer. I'm imagining he's he's not a good uh, He's He's awesome. He's the best thing since sliced bread, which I don't even know if they had sliced bread in 1925. But... He, like, everybody sucks, and he's the best. So he just basically puts everybody down while he gloats. Mm. Yep, pretty Sounds much. Sounds about right. It it's does a, not shock me. It's a struggle, you know? It is. It is also a <laughs> four-and-a-half-year struggle against lost stupidity and cowardice. Why is it only four-and-a-half years? I mean, I feel like it should he have been... He probably started writing this... His whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird that it's such a childish thing to put the half... Right. Four and a half years. Right. I just round up yeah. at that point. Five right. years. Make it sound good. 20 years. Nope. All right. Well, I think we're going to stop there for this first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will be back next week to finish up part two, where we'll talk about World War II, how he came to power, the Holocaust, and things like that. So, mm-hmm. hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.